Welcome to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business, automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help grow your business. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, and today you'll learn about some profound struggles related to owning and growing an IT business and how Tim Conkle from Roland Technology Group and The 20 overcame them. Vision without execution is a dream. You can dream big, you can have a vision of what you want to be, and the problem is, as a small, small company, execution is a nightmare. Here's the podcast with Tim. Well, Tim, thanks for joining us on the call today. Appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us here at Connect Booster and Confessions of an IT Business Owner. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You didn't know it was going to be this deep, did you? <laughs> I, I, I didn't, but I, I mean, th- this will be more like therapy. <laughs> we'll probably both do each other some good. How about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, why don't we get a couple of the basics out of the way? Um, tell us your, your business names because you are an entrepreneur's entrepreneur and own uh, multiple businesses and also where people can find you online. So, so start at the beginning. Roland Technology Group was my natural MSP, uh, based in Dallas. Um, then from there, we built out a, from just pure need, a VoIP company, and that VoIP company is Citricom, and you can find that at Citricom.com. And then from there, the next iteration for us was obviously the 20. You can find that at the20.com. That is a aggregation of lots of MSPs. Uh, moving in the same direction. U- ultimately, if you look at it that way. Sure. So talk to us a little bit how you got started in technology and, and that started with Roland Technology Group. Is that correct? It did. It did. In, in, in fact, me being in technology probably was the least likely thing to happen in life for me because when I was in high school, you had a pager, never touched a computer, uh, went in the military, and by some osmosis of being in the infantry, I get stacked into a room where I'm working on a computer. And so I literally fell in love with computers in the military. And from from there, got out, obviously, went to college for the programming side and got a bachelor's degree in that and then thought that I would write code forever. In actuality, I never wrote any code whatsoever outside of college. I never wrote a single line. I went down the route of infrastructure, worked for a company called EDS. Most people will know that because Ross Perot owned it and ended up selling that company to General Motors for like three billion bucks. Wow. And so I worked there, but uh, I, I, I kind of had the technology bug. So in 1992, I literally bought a company that was founded in 1986, which was an IT company. Back then, everybody built white boxes, had a storefront and all the other things that went with it, but I was much more business-minded from just my background, and so I took the I took that IT company, which was really a residential IT company, fixing computers for everyday people. I took it completely towards the uh, B2B space, and eventually completely out of uh, the residential or anything that would even have an hourly component to it. If you want to know the honest truth, sure. so so the exposure to computers and technology 
was in the military. What about the passion behind becoming an entrepreneur and starting the business and deciding that I'm going to buy this business in 1992? What was the drive behind that? What was the reason behind that? So, so if you if you if you look at my family itself, uh, all of my uncles own their own business. My dad owned his own businesses. My all all of my brothers own their own businesses. It's literally in our blood. My dad, my mother has eleven brothers and sisters. Eight of them, which are boys, all but one, literally have a business that my dad started and gave to them. So my dad was notorious for teaching us how to fish. In other words, creating entrepreneurs. Right. And so. It's literally in our blood, I think. That's incredible. What an environment to grow up in. And this is kind of a, a side question, but you know, what were some of the things, some of the dinner conversations that you guys had? One of the fears in my life is, you know, how do I teach my kids to have a great work ethic um, while growing up in an entrepreneurial household and having more than I had? What were some of the things Understood. that your dad did to, to make sure you guys knew how to work your rear ends off? So it's kind of crazy. I boil everything down that I am, how I, how I think, how I do business to, to, to three real stories with my dad. One is every morning at breakfast, we would all, we all ate breakfast together, all my brothers and sisters, which I had seven brothers and sisters. Every morning, my dad went through a ritual of talking about uh, we're conkles. We can do anything we want. You're the smartest kids in the world. And the only thing that will ever keep you from being everything that you ever imagined in your mind to be is not executing on your dream. And this was a story that got told almost every single morning. The other thing he did was he taught us to dream with our eyes open every morning. Or typically when we ate, he would tell stories, grandiose stories of things that were much bigger than we were. But he always told us these things when we were awake, alive, and well, which meant he taught us to dream with our eyes open. He'd always say, dreaming at night when you're asleep is okay, but it really never brings anything to reality. Learn to dream with your eyes open. Dream bigger than you are, and you'll always be more than you ever thought you could be. And so that was the second thing, and there's long stories that go with that. And then the third was was a story about a motorcycle, which I tell hmm. all the time at different conferences and things. And that story is the foundation principle for every successful thing I've ever done in anything I've ever done, and if it's followed, all 20 members that come in hear that story. It's the first story they hear from me when they come visit my office in Dallas because it guarantees anyone that applies three basic principles, it guarantees them success. You cannot fail. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you apply it to marriage. I don't care if you apply it to your kids. I don't care if you apply it to your business. It doesn't matter in life, and if you look at my life, and all the things I've done, I can attribute it back to the basic fundamental I learned in that story. Or, or that, it's a story I tell, but it, it was a real-life event that, that happened with my father. I always thought, and still to this day, think my father's probably the smartest guy I have ever met in my life. And he is truly, truly, truly a guy that thinks outside the box. He has no boundary. His mind has no boundary as to what he can be and what he can do and all the other things that go with it. So incredible, incredible childhood. So the motorcycle story, you have me on the edge of my seat, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> is this proprietary or can I get a confession out of you? 
you know what? It's not proprietary, but it really takes on real meat when it's whiteboarded out. Right. And it takes about 45 minutes to tell the story. And so I would love to tell that today. I don't think we have time for me right. to tell that story. But the, but the reality is, is every, ev- everybody, you even look at the 20, the people live by the principle, and it just works. And so, no, it, at, at some point I would love to share that story with you. I just think we'd run out of time today if I, if I went down that road. That makes sense. And I think uh, all of you out there and in podcast land that are, that are listening to this, I'm taking notes. Um, please don't be taking notes while you're driving. I'd say the call to action here is seek out Tim and uh, seek out the events that he's speaking at because uh, I know I'm going to be going to the 20 to make sure I'm hearing the motorcycle story, or at least maybe I can get a private session. So thanks for that, and thanks for oh, no thanks for the advice and, and sharing really what helped drove the success and also obviously worked very well in your family to foster the entrepreneur mindset at the beginning of every day and really the beginning of, of life for you guys as a family. Oh, Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, what are some of the things that you've learned in growing your business that most people wouldn't know even today about managed IT? So my personal opinion is, is that managed IT or, or an MSP is is swiftly getting overtaken by other things. If you call yourself an MSP five years from now, I think that you will. Be, it'll be kind of like calling yourself break fix right now. Nobody sure. nobody wants to be break fix, right? I th- I think that stretching the boundaries of of what a company is and all the other things. Think about this for a minute as a simple thought. If we t- if we think about an MSP, and I tell this at conferences all the time, I would say ninety nine percent of MSPs from a client's perspective, is a bad business decision, but a necessary evil. Now, that's a big statement to make. I tell people that if I educated them, that they wouldn't sign their own paper. And then they wonder why they have such a a conflict getting a client to sign it. It's because they really don't like doing business with us. They love what we provide. We provide a working environment and everything. But the the actual business itself... I don't know of any other business on the face of the earth where there is absolutely zero goal alignment. Think about that for a minute, right? In IT for a long time, the goal of the client and the goal of the IT company are two separate things. Right. And they're, bi- they're diabolically opposed to each other because one cannot grow their business and do the right thing for the client under how things are done now. And so I think there has to be a shift in this industry towards more of a business mindset instead of just this thought process of, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this guy IT because it's such a bigger conversation now. They're not looking for IT. They're really looking for more. And then they're looking for goal alignment. I, I tell this story a lot of times, and it's simply this. If, if, you, if you were to want a car today, and, and, and let's say you had in your mind a a red Volkswagen Beetle. It was a beautiful car. I mean, it's it's what you wanted. It's got the tulip holder on the on the dash. Although you're probably going to put a cigar instead of a tulip in there. <laughs> and so you go and you find a street somewhere in in somewhere USA. And there's three dealerships right next to each other, and it happens to be all Volkswagen. You don't understand why, but it's there, right? So you walk in the first one, 
you want to drive the red car that's up on the stands. You drive it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's great. It's incredible. So you take it down. The, you take it down the road. You love it. You come back. You sit down in the office, and what is the dying question? What is the dying question that every person has in that room, or the person that's buying it? What do they have? And it's simply this: What does it cost? Exactly. And the guy tells you it's a thousand bucks. Next, next dealership. You, you're a smart guy. You, you're like, man, there's two more right next to each other. This is easy. I just walk next door. So you walk next door, and you walk into that dealership, and you talk about the red car, and the guy tells you the story. He says, you know why there's three dealerships right next to each other? It's because we're three brothers, and we argued with my dad as to who was going to run the business when he retired. So what he did was he created three offices on this in this one dealership and said, hey, may the best men win, but you're going to scale and share everything together. Mm-hmm. You're going to provide everything exactly the same way, same cars, same service department, mm-hmm. same everything. And so now the dying question is, when he tells you, you can buy that same red car for me, the dying question becomes this, how much is it? And the guy says it's $2,000. And you're like, wow. <laughs> I think I'll go to the third one. Right. You go to the third one. He starts to tell you the story. You say, hey, man, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I know you can sell me the red car that was on the stands. I've already driven it. I've already done it. Your brother next door already told me why you three exist. I just want one answer, and that is how much is it? And he says, there's $3,000. Which car do you buy? You go to the first. Now, it, of course, because you just made a business decision. It's the same decision that every business makes inside of a room when they have three IT companies in, and when the IT company leaves, seven, eight days later, they call back and they say, hey, I noticed that you hadn't called us back. I really thought that this was going to be a a great fit and all the other things. And you you finally get them to answer you back, and they basically say, we bought on price. Right. Our industry has long sold on price because there's no real differentiator. So now they buy on price, but now the frustration that comes in, let's say there was a fourth dealership. And this is typically how we sell to our clients. You walk in the dealership, you know the car you want, and that's that fourth brother that they shoved him way in the back, but you found him. The dying question is, how much is it? And he looks at you and winks at you a little bit and says, man, I'm on your side. He said, don't worry about how much it is. Just take the car. I'll send you a bill. How many people buy from that guy? None. But it's the same with IT. We, go, we walk into a, a room, and the guy says, how much is it going to be? And we really can't quantify it. I don't know what it's going to be. It depends on what happens. And so if our industry doesn't shift, other other companies are going to take our business away from them. Companies like the 20 mm-hmm. that now have shifted instead of an IT cell we, or even a delivery system, we've shifted to a business cell. We have aligned the goals of ourselves and the business owner as one example. Example, if you took a break fix company, think about this, sitting at a table – and you look across the table and say, hey, I'm only, going to, I'm only going to charge you when it breaks. And then you ask the goal of the business owner, hey, what is your goal? Well, our goal is for it to never break. Right. How does the break-fix guy make more money and hit the goal of the guy that's across, this, across the table? It's an impossibility. It's like telling your kid, hey, if you'll, if you'll have a dirty room every morning, I'll give you 100 bucks. What's it going to be every morning? And your goal is for it to be clean. Mm-hmm. It's going to be dirty every freaking morning. Why? Because that is how they're rewarded or enumerated. Right. So IT companies that are enumerated by things broken or out of scope or things like that are always going to major in the ways of making more money. We'd like to take a quick break to highlight our sponsors and some of the things they'd like to offer our listeners. Do you want to generate more leads and learn how you can grow your business using a proven strategy? 
Ever wondered how you can leverage digital marketing to accomplish this while taking your advertising to the next level? Then consider having a conversation with Josh Whitford of 5stepmarketing.com. Josh is an expert at helping small businesses grow using innovative tactics that have worked for large brands such as giftcards.com, mycoupons.com, navyseals.com, and many more. Right now, Josh is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you to learn about your market and collaboratively develop an online marketing strategy based on your target audience. The strategy session is free and you have the flexibility to either implement the strategy yourself or have Josh implement it for you. This is a turnkey solution. This is only for our podcast listeners, so check out Josh and his offering at 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. That's the number 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. Our second sponsor for today's show is Bevoip. Bevoip is the perfect channel-only offering for your IT firm and MSP business. Bevoip works with businesses around the globe to incorporate cloud communications into your big picture telecom strategy. Their program is built for MSPs, IT firms, and cloud service providers. And Bevoip happens to be the VoIP provider for your friends here at Connect Booster and Connect Booster's parent company, BNG. So check them out on the web at bevoip.com. And now, back to the show. So I think our industry, and, and that was a real long way of answering your question, but it was I good. think there's three basic, three basic fundamentals that every IT company, I don't care how big you want to get, you've got, you've, you have got to master three fundamentals. Lead gen, you've mm-hmm. got to make your phone work. You've got to make a, a potential problem or a company with a problem. You have to make a way for them to call you or find you. Lead gen, you have to do marketing. Next is sales. I just kind of talked through sales and how sales are all the same and no uniqueness. The 20 brings about a very, very unique way of doing business. I've never had a member not, sh- not change and shift to this model. Nobody's ever even balked at it. And the third is you've got to be able to scale. You've got to be able to compete with your mind shifts, your all coverage. You've got to be able to compete with multi-location companies. If I walk into a company in Dallas, and they tell me they have a Boston location, and they say, hey, we want an IT company that has a, a Boston office, I've got to be able to compete at that level. Right. And if I can't, in time, it's going to hurt all of us. So we've talked a lot about some of the struggles that the industry as a whole is facing, things are going to need to address. Certainly, you have answers to a lot of those struggles and problems and and the methodology that that you're working through with your group of MSPs and IT service providers inside of the 20. How about some of the personal struggles, some of the, the, have you had a brick wall moment, you know, as Tim Conkle and and if you can identify one and, and what have you done personally? Because as we're talking to entrepreneurs here, you know, not only are we talking industry wide, but there's also the mental game of being an entrepreneur and, and sometimes your own, you're your own worst enemy. Um, any examples of that throughout your business tenure? So, I think you, I think you can look at the first 18 years of trying to be, uh, of trying to build an IT company, right? My goal was to hit a million dollars in revenue. Now, if you look 96% of MSPs never hit a million dollars. 
So when I had a million dollars, I could have said, hey, man, I'm a 4%er and stopped right there. Right. But the real problem was the 18 years. Entrepreneurs and people that are in business have one basic fundamental flaw. They are adverse to change, even though they know that they have to. It took me 18 years to figure it out. And the reality is, I don't care how many conferences you go to. I don't care how many tools you buy. I don't care how many books you buy, how many mentors, how many anything that you do, if you are not willing to change. And for 18 years, I thought I had the tiger by the tail. Hey, I know how to grow. But the reality is, the brick wall was, was, was literally adversity to change. Thinking that, and you can boil that down to living on an island. Every right. IT guy out there that's living on an island, one, never has a catalyst to change. It, but if you think it's kind of ironic because people go to conferences over and over and over and over and over. I was at a conference and I asked this simple question. How many people here have been here five times? Had a bunch of hands fly up in the air. And then I said, how many companies out of those have grown five times more than you were when you first came? And I might have got two hands. Why do we do the same things over and 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 over when we know damn well they don't work and then we we gripe about not growing? You literally you literally have to change and that was the hardest thing for me to do. You can't micromanage you you can't control everything. Right. In order to grow, you have to change and you have to become very open minded and you have to try stuff. Basically, you have to spend money sometimes. And that's a hard thing for MSPs to get around. They're that's like, advice, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, if I spend 1500 bucks for lead gen and I don't get anything back, man. Well, well if you didn't spend the fifteen, right. you'd never know. I mean, you know. So, no, I, I, think, I think the biggest wall was just being able, being able to change. Because when I changed, it was exponential. The growth was exponential. It's no longer can I hit a million or two million or three million or four million right. or five million or six million. The money is a byproduct of doing things right. So money follows a successfully run business, period. So the advice, if you could talk to your younger self, in addition to saying, remove the adversity to change, what would you tell your younger self now after seeing what you've accomplished today? Knowing what I know, this, this, is, this is pure honesty. I would have started the 20. A whole lot sooner, and 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 here's why. Our problem is, is as small IT companies, and and let's just talk about sub one million for a minute, because that makes up ninety six percent of the marketplace. The problem is, is trying to do everything yourself, and being paralyzed. I say this all the time: vision without execution is a dream. You can dream big, you can have a vision of what you want to be. But if execution doesn't exist, and the problem is, as a small, small company, execution is a nightmare. Why? Not enough time, not enough people, not enough money. So the only way around that, if you think about the 20, just a basic fundamental, let me take just marketing as a basic fundamental. If you took 10 small companies, their thought process would be, hey, let's hire 10 marketing people, and we're going to market, right? That's their execution plan. Well, they don't have content, they don't have anything, but, but that's their plan. So let's say they paid each one of them 40 grand, just as an example. That's $400,000 a year. Wouldn't it be a novel idea if 10 IT companies were sitting around a table and the 10 said, hey man, we really need to market, but let's do it together instead. So instead of marketing one at a time, 
10 different times, 10 different ways, managing 10 different people, all of that stuff. Why don't we do this one time? We'll market one way, one time. We'll hire two people to do it, and we'll all get the upside of scale. And ultimately, that's what the 20 did. In just that example right there, I found $320,000 that is already being spent that has absolutely no return without adding something to it. It's a beautiful concept. And not only beautiful in concept, it's beautiful in execution as you guys are doing it right oh, now. It's beautiful. Yeah. I know we have a number of uh, mutual partners coming to see you guys here at the conference for the 20. Yep. Which I would highly recommend individuals to reach out to Tim, his team. He talked a little bit about the ways to contact him and his team at the beginning of the podcast. And we've really gone through some excellent information here, Tim. And I almost feel like I'm doing injustice asking this last question because we've really boiled down a a, a number of points. But in closing, if we were to drive home a single point to peers listening to this podcast and specifically maybe individuals that, that don't know about the 20 or don't know about your story, what do we want to leave them with? I think simply this. If you look at the next five years in the IT space, what you see is a consolidation happening, which means there's going to be lots of big companies to compete with. So as small guys, if we're going to exist, we have to do something different. If you look at the the idea of the marketing thing for the 20, take that out to all the pieces of an IT company, your ticketing system. Why would 10 companies do it 10 times, 10 different ways, upgrade it 10 times, maintain it 10 times, pay setup fees 10 times, pay professional services 10 times? At some point, you have to step back and say, you know what? I don't have to control every single thing. Let me look at, and I would, I would challenge everyone, if you truly want to grow and be in a competitive environment, I would challenge you to look at the 20. And the reason being is, is we deal with the most important numbers on a profit and loss sheet. So if you're the, the, the owner of a company and you, you own it, question is asked all the time, which number is most important? And I always hear the bottom number. I would argue that. I think the most important numbers are the ones in the middle. And we, when we individually as IT guys have to pay over and over and over and over and over and over and over for fenders, minimums, and all the other things that go with it, we, we throw so much money out out of the out of the door that's in the middle labor all of that where if we could scale and that's what the 20 really is it is a scale organization how to take a two three four five man shop and make them a 60 man shop overnight one giving them a competitive edge and all the other things that go with it but the reality is it's about making the bottom number the best it can be it reminds me of a story with marcus lamonis who does The Profit, the TV right. show The Profit. In this story, he's buying a $50 million company. He's buying 51% of it. That means that Marcus Lemonis, if he makes this sale, he can walk out and tell everybody in the world that, hey, I'm a majority owner of a $50 million company. So if what you want to do is be able to tell people I have tons of employees and, and, and I do this, right, and I got a million dollars in revenue, if that's the horn you want to blow, it's fine. But it's kind of like this story. Marcus Lemonis buys 51% of this thing, and he buys it for 
and $50,000. $50 million company. Think about that for a minute. Now, I polled lots of people, and lots of people said, well, at least it's worth one times revenue, $25 million and blah, 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 blah. No, the problem was was all the numbers in the middle was bleeding out, every bit of profit, so there was no profit at the bottom. So for everybody listening, the thing I'll leave you with is every guy starts a business to build wealth, personal wealth for himself and his family. Remember this. It's all about squeezing the middle to make the bottom really, really plump. And that's, uh, I, I think that's the best advice I can give people today. That's great advice. And, and I'll say this is kind of my last statement, sure. and that is I'm open to anybody. If, if, if you're stuck out there and you're, you're trying to figure something out and all those things, I'm a very open, easy-to-reach guy. Reach out to me. I really want people to be successful, period, whether they're part of the 20 or not. Before we end today's episode, we'd like to thank our sponsors, 5-Step Marketing and Bevoip. Don't forget to take advantage of your free one-hour marketing strategy session with Josh and his team. That link again is 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. That's the number 5, 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. And check out Bevoip if you're looking to improve your telecom strategy. You can find Bevoip online at bevoip.com. Tim, you're a busy man. And I got to tell you, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today to, you know, really talk to all of us out in the community. And again, guys, if you're driving, pull over to take your notes, listen to it again. Tim, it was a pleasure talking to you. And I'm looking forward to seeking you out because I need to hear this motorcycle story, brother. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff, man. Hey, and I appreciate you guys having me today. And and most people will find this pretty crazy, but I don't think I cuss through this thing, and typically I do. I kept this. <laughs> I mean, this was clean, man. You're, you're people are gonna be act. like, man, that's a different, that's a different Tim Conkle you had. <laughs> hey, do you, need, you do you need to throw something out there? I don't want to. I don't want to throw off your game. Buddy. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I, again, I appreciate you guys having me, and, and I will talk to you guys later. Thanks again for joining us today on the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business, automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help you grow your business. A special thanks again to Tim Conkle from Roland Technology Group, and the 20. Roland Technology can be found online at rolandtechnology.com and the 20 can be found at the20.com. To download the full podcast or to listen to some of our previous episodes online, check us out at connectbooster.com slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us today on the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Music.